back to the Just Means Less ACC podcast with your hosts, Micah and Nick. Nick, how are you doing today? Oh, wait, hold on. Sorry. There's been lightning reported within 10 miles of here, so we have to delay this podcast for three hours. We'll, we'll be back in three hours. <laughs> three hours later. Nick, how are we doing three hours later? Still about the same. Can't really complain all that much. Um, not too bad. I mean, I would have loved state to win yesterday, but that's, I'm sure we'll get to that. But other than that, I'm pretty good. I think we had a lot of fun college football on besides what we watched in the ACC. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the weekend of college football. Um, happy the NFL's back. My Niners got a big win on the road in Yinzerville. So that was really awesome. Um, it's starting to feel like fall just a little bit in Winston-Salem. Uh, it's been a cloudy, rainy day. Not so much rain, but very cloudy. Temperature dropped a little bit. So, um, other than that, man, I'm doing pretty good. How, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Well, I wish I would have known how good the games were yesterday because I didn't get to watch a single one. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry about that. But I you were it, really was, it was, well, it wasn't even busy, Nick. I mean. Just like every team within, you know, six miles, six miles, six hours of, you know, the southeast region got delayed. We were one of those teams. Yeah. <laughs> so our kickoff that was scheduled for 530 ended up happening at nine o'clock or 845 ish. And I didn't get out of the out of work until 130 in the morning. So <laughs> after getting there at five o'clock in the morning the day before. So Jeez. it was a. Uh, it was pretty crazy, um, you know, having to deal with all of that and whatnot, but it was still fun nonetheless. But no, I mean, dude, it was, I mean, we'll get into it, but after this weekend, Nick, my uh, my take last week about us being the worst Power 5 conference, I think still stands, and I feel even better about it. So we'll get into that in a little bit, but no, it was a... Uh, Rain delay day all across the conference, all across the country, but mainly across the conference, to be honest. Yeah. And just a really, really weird, uh, really weird week all in all. Um, yeah, Nick, thank you to your uh, Niners for beating Pittsburgh. Always makes me smile when the Steelers lose. So. Awesome. So, yeah, and the Ravens won today, so that was good, I guess. Didn't watch any of it. I was asleep the whole time, but they got one of those, I can't remember what the term is, but. It was the first ever 25 to 9 game in NFL history. So I guess yeah. shout out to the Ravens and Texans. Yeah, that's so kind of dope. Forgami is the term. Forgami, that's it. Yeah. So shout out to those two. Um, J.K. Dobbins is out for the year. So that's not shocking, but that's also very on par for the Ravens. So that kind of sucks. Um, but yeah, and for my fantasy team, especially. <laughs> but no, it was uh, it's been a good day. It's, it was raining here. Now it's 75 and sunny. So literally. Perfect weather to be out recording a podcast, but now I'm ready to uh, I'm ready to dive right into it, Nick. Yeah, me too. Let's go ahead and do it. Um, let's see. Do we want to go in order of games? Do we want to go in order of worst to best, best to worst? 
We'll get the Thursday out of the way first, though. Shout out Louisville. You did exactly what we wanted you to do. Right. Dominated Murray State from start to finish. I mean, they got Indiana this week. If they can take care of business against Indiana, then I will really start proclaiming this team as like a legitimate ACC, like dark horse team. Right. Because some of our dark horses that we had looked a little sketchy <laughs> this yeah. weekend. So, you know, that was obviously great to see that Louisville just did what they were supposed to do. So, shout out to Louisville. I could go into the stats, but I mean, Murray State, I mentioned it on the preview pod, not a good FCS team. So, no point in, you know, spending all day talking about that one. So, let's just go to Saturday. Um, Nick, could I rip my bandaid off before we go into anything? Because I just want to get this. I want. I want the podcast to be fun, and I'm. I'm hurting, so I need to. I need to vent. Yeah, I. I have a feeling that you wanted to start off with this. So by all means, go ahead, rant, get it off your chest, do what you need to do. This program at Virginia is pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. And before I hear any sort of slander about what I'm saying as someone that has gone to games every year that he is he can will renew his season tickets no matter what at the end of the season we could go 0 and 12 and I'll still have my seats for next year I think I have the right to say this it's not just some casual fan here talking in what world like Nick everything that Virginia needed to have happen yesterday, everything that made me like when I said the prediction of, you know, the football gods will give Virginia this win. All of that happened. Mike Holland scores two touchdowns. Virginia scores on the first play of the second half to take the lead for the first time in the game. They get up two scores going into the fourth quarter. And what do they do? They sit on the ball the entire time. They just sit on it. Oh, and the best part is, after the game, Tony Elliott has the balls to say, yeah, Tony Musket's going to be back in our starter next week when our true freshman quarterback, in my opinion, won the job this weekend. He balled out. Like, balled like, out, dude. This team played so well, minus all of its stuff. I mean, I understand the block. Like, I'm having a hard time trying to get mad about Virginia not coming out of the gates, firing in all cylinders in this one. I really want to be mad, but I also understand, like, I had friends at the pregame show, Nick. I didn't see any of it. Like, there hasn't been any videos floating around social media that I found. But I heard that pretty much the entire stadium, Virginia, JMU, didn't matter, was bawling. Sidelines, bawling. Like, crying, crying. Like, actual tears, not just like, oh, this is kind of sad. So I could understand Virginia coming out a little slow. But they came out like they didn't want to play football. And I wouldn't be that upset if this doesn't seem to be a trend with Tony Elliott in Virginia. Because we had the best crowd we've had in a very long time. Very long time. Obviously, the weather delay had other, had other plans, and that sucked for Virginia because I do genuinely believe that that may have cost Virginia the game because they were riding so much momentum. But 
it's on Tony Elliott and that staff to get them up to play. Because I'm willing to look at that game and say Virginia's better than JMU. Like, I think we might actually be more talented than them. But JMU wanted it more. Their fans wanted it more. Nick, once the game got delayed, guess who stuck around? The JMU fans. Guess who didn't? Half the Virginia fan base. At what point is this fan base, is this program going to make a change? I'm not saying, I know, everyone's going to point to Dion and go, yada, yada, yada. Colorado's always had a better fan base than Virginia, regardless, before Dion. <laughs> but look what's happening in Colorado. Look what's happening all across the country. Teams are selling out. NC State has sold out every game this season. Like, and what is Virginia doing? Struggling to get 60% of the capacity filled. Like, at what point are we going to look in the mirror and just figure out this problem with the program? Because, like, Carla says, that's the athletic director, Nick, in case you didn't know. Carla says that she wants Virginia to be a football school, to be invested in football. And we just invested in a facility that only catches us up to pretty much the entire conference. Keyword there, catches us up. (laughs) Not puts us light years ahead, catches us up. At what point are we going to look around and say this is enough? Like, I don't expect Virginia to be playing for national titles. I don't expect to be playing for the ACC championship game every five years. We are two seasons removed from a team that was not even that good, still going to a bowl game. Obviously, the COVID cancellation of that game happened, but still going to a bowl game. To now, wondering if the team is even going to win a game. What has changed? New head coach? But the program has stayed the same. I mean, this team just finds ways to lose. I know every fan base talks about that story and everything like, yo, our team always lets me down, yada, yada, yada. I always laugh because, again, Tennessee did not look good against Austin P yesterday. All my Tennessee friends were like, oh, like, you know, we're so bad. You're 2-0. and <laughs> When Virginia lets me down, they actually lose the football game. On a day that was supposed to be special, became a day. Like, and I'm a little upset about it, but I also don't blame JMU. Like, JMU's printing t-shirts for this game, Nick. They're claiming that they're the University of Virginia. And I'm a little annoyed by it considering what the game was. But at some point, you have to just move on from the tragedy and just treat it like a football game. And not be like, oh, this is our first home game back, so you can't celebrate. Because you should be allowed to celebrate it. But it's just like... How in the world do we expect people to show up? Do we expect teams, like, expect our fans to want to be there? If they're going to consistently fail to do, like, Virginia with Tony Elliott has been playing not to lose. Like, I know, Nick, you're probably going to want to rant about the offense at NC State. But one thing that Virginia did more times than not under Robert and I and Bronco Mendenhall was they played to win the game. They didn't play not to lose. Like, there were some times I regretted that they were playing to win the game with throwing the ball to an offensive lineman (laughs) against Virginia Tech, but at least they were being aggressive, trying to win. 
against Tennessee, we're punting in our own territory down three scores in the third quarter. Like, are, is Virginia going to win that game? No. But what do you have to lose? When are you going to actually care? Same thing now. I mean, this is not a shot at any of these young men. Like, the players, bald. I mean, we saw a potential future at quarterback. We saw Kobe Pace, the Clemson transfer, play out of his mind. We saw a defense that didn't make the plays when they needed to on the last drive, but after that rough start, really kind of clamped down. And even then, they're not responsible for one of those touchdowns. But yet, here we are, Virginia football, sitting in the same spot they've always. Like, like Maryland is going to pump them on Friday. NC State maybe won't pump them as much as I thought, but probably will still pump them on in two weeks on Friday. <laughs> William and Mary is the only hope for a win. And they're going to get the exact same treatment they got from JMU. Super Bowl-esque game. And with the way Tony Elliott's teams have been with Virginia, I, if they fall behind 14-0, it's over. So, I just... Everything that I thought, like I talked about on the podcast, happened. And yet, they found a way to lose that game. This should have been a momentous occasion. Like, it should have been the first game back at home. A great win over an in-state foe that's obviously very talented. But instead, we're talking about the future of the program. Brutal. Uh, I'm sorry, man. That's just... That sucks. That honestly sucks. I was so happy when I saw Virginia was taking the lead and then had a decent lead. And then I get home to check the score and they lost. I I was honestly dumbfounded, to be honest with you. Like, that's crazy. Uh, there needs... There needs to be change, I think, in Virginia sooner rather than later. I'm not blame. I'm with you, Mike. I'm not blaming any of the players. You look at the stats. You look at every everyone that played their balls off. They did amazing. But I could point out right now in what we're in week two, and I could point out three things that should tell you why Tony Elliott doesn't really like. He doesn't have it. He doesn't care. Like you said, why are we punting being down three? We have nothing to lose against Tennessee. Oh, they're down three scores, not three, but... So. Oh, three scores. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> three scores. Yeah, yeah. Um, two, why are we not being more aggressive in the fourth quarter when JMU is starting to catch up? And three, why are we replacing the quarterback if your freshman, your true freshman just balled out? Why are we doing that? That... That to me doesn't make any sense. I just the the lack of caring, the lack of fire under this program is just it's just not there. And I in the beginning of your rant, I wanted to ask you about your AD, and uh, it, it's just it's just not enough. I mean, look, Bronco, you told me like I think you said this a month ago. Bronco was asking for more. 
and he wasn't getting more. Like, you're not going to be able to compete. And let, let's say, you know, five, six years down the road, the ACC, which we hope doesn't, but dissolves. Virginia, if you think you're down in the ACC or falling behind the ACC, imagine if you go to the Big Ten or the SEC. You're going to be very far behind. Like, there needs to be something. There needs to be a change. Either your AD needs to, like, I don't like I'll give you an example, Micah. When when NC State after the 2021 College World Series, we played Mississippi State that following fall in Starkville, right? Our all our AD and our entire staff went to that game and the day before the game toured every single facility, basketball, football, baseball. Maybe not so much basketball, but I remember football and baseball. It's like this is what we want. This is what we need to do. Okay, look at this football program. Look at this stadium. Look at this baseball program. And they've already started doing things. The new scoreboard, the brand new uh, upgrades, the baseball facility, and the baseball field. It's already starting to happen. And I feel like for Virginia, you're there with basketball. You're there with baseball. You're there with everything else. Your AD and needs to look at this program and say, we need to do more. And I don't know if she cares or not. It sounds like she does, but maybe she's just, you know, falling behind or just wrong. So I want to see Virginia do well. I think you need to own your state. And the fact that a group of five team is wearing these shirts and you're falling behind your in-state rival and old dominions there and all this stuff. I mean, there needs to be big time change in my opinion, being a, being outside of the Virginia fan base. No, I mean, and like the part that stinks is like, it's a deep root problem. Yeah. I feel like, like it is like Virginia is so fortunate to have gotten Bronco that it is unreal. And it, it bothers me because there are so many fans of Virginia that look at Tony Elliott as the only reason why they hired him was he checked a box. And you can put that piece together if you want, uh, Nick, on what box he checked. Right. But it's not one that's based off football. Right. And whether that's true or not doesn't matter. What matters is, is the investment. Like, and it's amazing because I agree to a point working in, in the industry. You know, sometimes the fans still have to show up when they're like Nebraska fans still show up when they're bad. But in the defense of Virginia fans that don't show up when we're bad, it's not like there's nothing to do in Virginia. It's not like our fan, our, our university is the only thing that exists in that state. When you see this over, like, me and my buddy spent 30 minutes last night during our rain delay talking about, because he was at the game, talking about all the Virginia heartbreaks that we could think of. The Notre Dame game, the Virginia Tech game. Like, we could just go down a list of games that Virginia was winning in the final five minutes or even up two scores in the final 12 and lost in the last minute of the game. We had a list of nine games in the last six years 
at some point this fan base, like rightfully so, should stop showing up. They have like they're trying to increase the fan experience, but Scott Stadium literally hasn't changed since the first time I went there in 2013. Nothing has changed. They added LED lights last year. Ooh, yay! We don't, we don't play night games very often, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> like. <laughs> I mean, Bronco, in my opinion, left because he got tired of the. He could see the era and the new world of college football coming, and he already saw the lack of investment at Virginia. Because, again, the Virginia fan base can be very irrational. Our football fan base like assumes that we should be ten and two every year, and we're never happy with what Bronco did. Even like because Bronco was Stacey Chaser game, they just assume that that's the new standard, and it's not. Like competing for it is. But being in it every year is not. But, I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. I, I can't... I'm going to watch Friday night. I'm going to watch... We're, we're going to the game in two weeks together, Nick. Yeah. I'm still going to show up. I'm still going to go to the game at Louisville later this year. I'm still probably going to the game at BC in the end of the month. I'm still going to show up for that. I'm still going to care. But it gets really damn hard to do it, man, when this shit happens all the time. It really does. <laughs> I, 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 Mike, you're saying this. is like, I, I, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. You're going to go to Louisville, and you're going to go to Boston College, and you're going to go to the game with me. I, I don't get You need I, – I hope somehow, some way, the AD of Virginia is listening to this right now because <laughs> – you there there's no one like you dude there's no one like you that cares this much about virginia football and how bad it is right now there's nobody like you but hey man like again well i'm on a positive note i'm so damn proud of that team from the player standpoint though like mike holland two touchdowns i mean true freshman and i always again i'm gonna say his name wrong i always want to call him condelario even though it's Again, I'm still – I got to look at it because, like, phonetically, I cannot convince myself to say it right in my head. I have to, like, actually look at it. Con- Calandria. Calandria. Again, it bothers me because every time I see it, I don't know why I can't say it right. But anyway, Calandria balls out. I mean, the defense, again, was it great? No. But it played well. And, like, JMU is a good football team. <laughs> like – if it weren't for the fact the NCAA has the stupidest rules of all time about teams coming up, this could be a team you could kind of talk about as like a New Year's Six like dark horse every year. And they will be once they're eligible next season. Like, it's... I'm proud of the team. They looked like... When, when they were down, was it 17 nothing Or was it... I think it was 17 nothing. Let me double check. Yeah, when they were down 17... or No, sorry. 17-7, but 14-0 after the block punt. This is, you know, literally two drives of football, and it's 14-0 JMU. I was like, oh, this team's about to quit. <laughs> like, this is about to get bad. And they battled. So, they, like, this team is young. So I will give them that. But there's just, yeah, again, something about this Virginia program I'm not putting, I don't want to put all the blame on Carla. I don't want to put all the blame on Tony. I think it's a, a combination of a lot of things. <laughs> but that's why Tony Elliott makes a couple million dollars. That's why Carla makes a couple million dollars. Or even if she doesn't and she makes 
close to a million dollars. That's what you get paid to figure out. Because in the modern world of sports, where everything's all about football and revenue, we're going to get left behind even more than we already have if we do not figure this out. Because what's crazy is some of these schools around us that we have never been competitive with Virginia in baseball and in soccer and, soccer and stuff like that are starting to take that TV money from football from being pretty good at football and investing it elsewhere. And if they catch up to us there, then we have nothing. So we'll see. But definitely tough. But anyways, my Band-Aid's been ripped off. Nick, do you want to rip your Band-Aid off? And that way we can focus on the rest of the conference afterwards. <laughs> I think that sounds like a pretty good idea. Why don't we, why don't we go ahead and do that? Um, First off, disclaimer, before you get to talk, I almost blocked you after your slander of the Brennan Armstrong text you sent me. No, I, I, yeah, I, and you, you would, if you had done that, yeah, I, I, I would have. <laughs> Nick, Nick. No, 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 I'm. I'm Virginia I'm, broke, I'm, Virginia, I'm, no, Virginia broke Brennan Armstrong. Last year's Virginia team broke Brennan Armstrong. I really do believe it. Oh, okay, that's not I, why I, you were gone, but. No, like. I went back, because again, I didn't get to watch any of this game. I mean, I was dealing with first home football game. All new, like we, 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 we introduced a lot of new stuff, and then obviously a weather delay. It became my job to be on my toes at all times in case we did start to roll it into things. And I, like I looked at my phone yesterday, Nick. I made 77 phone calls in a matter of six hours. Jeez. Wild. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> like, I went back and I watched the condensed game this morning. That's the only productive thing I did before I took my nap at 1230. I did like an hour and 45 minutes to two hours of watching like condensed games or games I really wanted to see like Texas, Alabama, Colorado, Nebraska, obviously all the AC games. We'll get to one game that really stood out to me in a minute. But <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> Brennan Armstrong does need receivers and I don't know if NC State has those. Mm-hmm. But Brennan Armstrong I think is just in his own mind right now, scared to sit in a pocket and throw the ball. Yeah. Because there are times, and I understand it after last year's Virginia offensive line where he got .1 seconds to to drop back before he's getting hit. But, like, I know NC State's offensive line is not top five in the ACC. But it's not bad. Like, it's not the worst offensive line in this conference by far. Like I, I would, I would say it's maybe not top half, but it's definitely top ten. It they're they're pretty good. They're honestly pretty good at pass blocking. It's the run blocking that's yeah. the issue. With and offense. and I understand, and I understand the inability to run the football makes it harder on the quarterback. Yeah. But go back and look at the twenty twenty one Virginia team. They couldn't run the ball worth the damn. Brian Armstrong was throwing for five hundred yards a game because they couldn't run the ball. That offensive line of Virginia, I think, might have been better than NC State's, but not like it was like astronomically better. They only had one one pure dude I looked at and said, "Oh yeah, that guy's a stud." And that was you know Oil of a team who transferred to Michigan last year. But I mean, they just looked like I only got a little bit more on this game, Nick, because my intern that does music, he's a big NC State fan. Shout out to you, Ryan, if you're listening. I told him about the podcast this week, so. He said he was going to listen, so maybe he will. But, um, you know, so he was obviously watching the game on his phone when we were in the delay because his entire job was just 
put Spotify on until I told him to stop. <laughs> but, you know, he was even telling me, it was just like, every time they did something positive on offense, the defense, I don't want to say failed them, because that's not fair. But they didn't get the stop they needed to. So, Nick, I'm turning it over to you to, to share your wisdom on it, because, I mean, I know the expectation was to compete and I guess it was competitive, but I mean, again, watching the condensed game and just remember following it on my phone, I never was like, oh, NC State's going to win this thing. Yeah, it was, it was weird because it was competitive for three, for three, three full quarters. This game was competitive, uh, even though like we would be down seven or down three or something like that. It always felt like we were down more because it was so strenuous to put points on the board. Um, I think every state fan online has like kind of calmed down a bit. Uh, I'm not one of those state fans that's like bringing MJ, bringing MJ, like Brennan's done, Brennan's done. No, this was a team effort loss. It was, we kept beating ourselves. We're dropping passes. Uh, Brennan is, um, how he did okay. Like he had a couple of bad interceptions, but he also made some good plays throwing the ball too. Um, it was just all around. This was a team loss that, and by the fourth quarter, what was, what the gut punch for this game was we made Sam Hartman fumble at their own 20 yard line. And we failed to score. We had it. We, we were cruising it was like, wow, we're going to tie this game up. It's the fourth quarter. This game is ours. And we kept going for the home run ball. Like, we got the ball after the fumble, and we kept trying to score on one play. I just didn't understand why we kept doing that. Until third down, when it looked like we drew up a great play, but it, it came up short, and it was fourth down, and then we missed a chip shot field goal that was like 36 yards. I, I was – kind of dumbfounded at that right right when that happened i was like oh god like we didn't take advantage we had a gift right there to tie this game up going into the fourth quarter and now we're gonna lose and that's exactly what happened the offense just had a complete meltdown um the defense uh, 45 points is 45 points one of those brennan threw an interception at our own 15 yard line so i won't you know bash the defense on that but the defense gave up two monster plays um, that really, really hurt us. Even though throughout the rest of the game, they did pretty good. I mean, we got to Sam a lot. Um, we got him to fumble. It, defense was was hot out the gate, but there's something. There needs to be some tweaks in the offense. We got to figure it out. Uh, we got two winnable games coming up. Hey, hopefully we. Sorry. <laughs> that hopefully we can figure it out. I just uh, it see. I want to be competitive in games like these where we're playing the big name brands and be competitive and hopefully pull one of these things out. But Notre Dame is probably the toughest team on this schedule, and it's only week two. When you look at the rest of state schedule, you get all your hard teams at home. Clemson struggling. Uh, I feel I still feel pretty good about Carolina. 
Uh, Miami, I think, is going to be a challenge now. Uh, I think feel pretty good about having Louisville at home. And then the road, Duke, Wake, it's always a little tough at Wake, but Virginia, um, I think we, we've got the hard game behind us, and we can fix some things. We can do something very special, I think. I, I think there's a lot of potential, but these receivers, man, and this run game, I mean, our leading rusher cannot be Brennan with 26 yards. That just cannot happen. And I know some of that has to do with the O-line not having a good run game. We need to fix that too. But we do have some – we got some solid backs that need to get more carries. Michael Allen and uh, Jordan Houston. Like, we need these guys to break out. So, I don't know. It, it was tough. I'm not blaming this all on Brennan. I think a lot of it had to do with the receivers dropping the ball, but we got to turn the page. We got to fix it. You got to watch a lot of film on this game because this was a game we could have had. We, we, we could have pulled this upset out. Um, and shout out to the fans. I mean, we had a two hour rain delay and everyone came back. The students stuck it out all the way till the end. Uh, it, it just reminds me, we have one of the best fan bases in the nation. And the fact that we stuck it out was awesome. So, Got to go back Nick, to the I'm, film room and fi fix some things. I'm going to give you a big positive here that I think if you're an NC State fan moving forward, I mean, again, this could end up being a, a wrong take, but I genuinely think that Notre Dame's game plan was just executed to perfection. They looked at the NC State film, especially against UConn, and said, how did NC State beat UConn? Brandon Armstrong with his legs. They saw the receivers dropping balls. They saw the receivers struggling to create separation on 1v1s. Yeah. They saw an offensive line that doesn't give him that much time to develop. If you watch the condensed game, because that's something I kind of try to keep an eye on after seeing Brian Armstrong, because I did box score and then condensed game, seeing how little yards he had. They had somebody glued to Brian Armstrong at all times. They basically said, okay, NC State, try to run the football against us. And, Nick, I think I've warned you of this before. One of the biggest downfalls of Robert and I is he will not run the football very often, even if it's right there in front of him. So they said, they're not going to try to run the ball enough to beat us there. And if Brennan beats us with his arm, then so be it. If those receivers can really create separation, so be it. I think Notre Dame's a playoff team right now, man. Me like, too. I do. Like, like, I know everyone always gets super, you know, oh, Notre Dame. Like, this feels different, though. And it's not just purely Sam Hartman. Notre Dame feels like, from top to bottom, a very well-coached, talented roster that, I mean, there has not been, I mean, I know Notre Dame's two wins besides NC State are, are Navy and Tennessee State. But they have done exactly what a top five, top ten program is supposed to do, and that's pummel them early and let the, the clock run out. There has not been a single moment in Notre Dame football this season that's been like, oh, man, this team does not look like a playoff team. So, like you said, like Clemson has bigger question marks, in my opinion, than NC State does right now. North Carolina, similar situation. 
not that 11 and 1 is going to happen, Nick, because I don't think it is, but it's not like that's out of the realm of possibility after what we saw this weekend. Right. So that's a very positive thing to take a look at if I'm NC State moving forward. So we'll see where that transitions to, but again, if I'm NC State, there's nothing too pressing that I'd be too worried about, especially going into next week, which, Nick, correct me if I'm wrong, it is VMI, right? VMI, yeah. Yeah, so I think you'll be okay. Yeah. VMI lost the Bucknell yesterday by, like, two scores. I think you'll be all right. Again. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think uh, they need to have a very hard practice the next week, the, this next coming couple of weeks with these teams yeah. coming up on the schedule. They need to really lock it down and fix some things. Because, Micah, I'll be honest with you, I you can't dwell on the past. You absolutely cannot. But I just kept thinking, wow. I think last year's offensive roster, not Tim Beck necessarily, but last year's offensive roster probably gets this job done. You're talking Devin Leary. You're talking Fair Thomas, Devin Carter, Emeka Amezi, all those playmakers, they're all gone. And I just kept thinking, God, if we have them again, this game is different. But it's a completely – there are a lot of new faces on this offense, a lot of new faces. And that's what's, like, to me, when you texted me that Brennan thing, Nick, I almost responded back and said, if you think MJ's the answer, why couldn't he beat out Devin Leary for sure last year? Like, make it clear. And, Nick, have you seen Devin Leary's production so far, Kentucky? Not very good. (laughs) Not good at all, actually. So see what he did yesterday, but. I mean, he's, like, dude, they almost lost to Eastern Kentucky yesterday. Ew. Like, Cincinnati beat Eastern Kentucky like 85 to nothing the week before. And then, again, it was like a two-touchdown win, but it was competitive all the way through. So, yeah. Anyways, if I'm, again, if I'm NC State, everything's A-OK. Let's, uh, let's burn through, let's burn through three quick games, Nick, just because I don't think there's a lot to talk about. Okay. Florida State hammered Southern Miss. I mean... Dude, Florida State might be the best team in college football right now. Like, actually. <laughs> yeah. Georgia was messing around with a pretty bad Ball State team yesterday. <laughs> Alabama obviously lost. Ohio State still looks very suspect. Michigan, I mean, they look good, but not as good as Florida State has. And Texas, again, like, right now. yeah. I mean, Texas honestly could have that conversation. But, like... Quinn Ewers, by the way, oh my god, that kid is so good. Yeah, Quinn. Texas Quinn is the best Ewers quarterback. Is really freaking good, dude. Texas has the best quarterback room I've ever seen because their third string would probably go start at like every ACC school right now, except for maybe Florida State. Yeah, they're. <laughs> oh my like, god, Te- Texas. I'm gonna say it. Texas is back, folks, and Quinn, oh, Ewers, Quinn Ewers is coming for that Heisman, like the. Deep passes he was throwing last night. I couldn't believe it. That was amazing. I don't hate the take, but anyways, you know. So Florida State, I mean, they just, (laughs) I mean, they just, it's 31 to 3 at the half. And what do they do? It's 52 to 3, five minutes into the fourth quarter. Mm. I mean, 
or sorry, not fourth quarter, third quarter. That's what makes it even more impressive. Yeah. And the backups are just like palm. Like this team is just straight rolling. Like I'm so excited to see what this at BC game is because if they do what right now we're kind of seeing in the trend, where Florida State pummels them too. I mean, there's a legitimate reason for them to be the number one team in the country. If they can pummel a Power 5 team on the road. I don't care if the Power 5 team is Boston College or not. If you pummel them like you just did to Southern Miss, hello. (laughs) So, shout out to them. Duke, no hangover against Lafayette. That was good. I mean, Lafayette made it 7-7 in the first, but it's 21-7 at the half. I mean, they're putting backups in up 28-7 in the third. I mean... Nothing too crazy to, to to write home about there. I mean, I think, honestly, Henry Velen, the freshman, the backup for Duke, he's pretty good, too. Like, not that he's Riley Leonard, and obviously Duke needs Riley Leonard to, to have a special season, but I don't think Duke misses a ball if they have to go to Velen. That kid looks really good. And, that again, I watched the condensed game again. And it's Lafayette, so we take it with a grain of salt. But the offense really wasn't missing much of a beat with him. So that was nice to see. So good takeaway there from Duke. Georgia Tech, you tweeted it, Nick. It was a fantastic tweet. It was so nice to see Georgia Tech just kick the shit out of somebody. Yeah. It doesn't matter yes. if that team's good or not. Just watching them kick the shit out of SC State, who's not a – honestly, that program is down really bad right now. Their coach is retiring at the end of the season. I'm not saying they lost the room, but it, it does seem like that team might be pretty bad this year, unfortunately, because that program's been pretty good under their head coach. But, I mean, they just – they did what they were supposed to do. And we'll talk about the rest of the conference in a minute. There were some programs look around the conference and say, oh, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Real quick, I, I, I mentioned last week, or I guess we previewed this, I wanted to see Haynes King ball out in this game, and he truly did. 290 yards, four touchdowns. That's what you want to see against an inferior opponent when you bring in this type of quarterback. So I was happy to see – Haynes King ball out. Do okay, we're gonna transition to a score that does not look good, but when you deep dive it, we need to talk about it. Clemson's sixty-six to seventeen win over Charleston Southern. If this Clemson team starts the way they do again, they are going to lose a lot of ACC games. Florida State will beat the living shit out of them. Yeah. FAU might upset Clemson and Death Valley if they do this shit again. Yeah. And FAU, not that great of a football team. They played a really bad FCS team in Charleston Southern, who, by the way, lost to North Greenville. No, sorry. Did not lose. They won by three. They beat a D2 team in the last minute of a game. And it's, again, do they end up pummeling them? Yes. But that's what's supposed to happen when you're inferior. Like, Nick, again, I don't want to talk bad or anything about ETSU, right? But ETSU won 42 to nothing over Carson Newman yesterday at D2 team. It's a good win for us. But there's not a lot of, like, oh, this is the, the start of, like, oh, we're going to go win the SoCon now. Because our talent was better than their talent. Our depth was ten times better than their depth. So, of course, that's what's supposed to happen. 
Clemson did what was supposed to happen. The depth kicked in and pummeled a Charleston Southern team that can't hang with them. But why did it take you till the third quarter to do that? Right. I'm not writing off Dabo. I'm not going to write off Clemson as like, again, like I don't know if Clemson's not going to Charlotte. But at some point, they've got to wake up. Because FAU maybe won't be the biggest struggle. It should be okay. But Florida State? <laughs> right now, obviously, I'm taking Florida State. Yeah. When this team goes to Clemson in two weeks, or sorry, I guess three weeks, but, you know, the week after Florida State, I'm leading Syracuse right now. Hosting Wake Forest. I think the demon of Wake Forest at Clemson still makes me think that Clemson will win. But it's not because of the talent and the, the teams on the field. At Miami, at State, Notre Dame, those are all losses in my opinion right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's, Nick, I've just named you one, two, three, four, five losses. Oh, by the way, did you know they already have one? <laughs> <laughs> you know what that means? That's six and six. Six and six. And they still have North Carolina, not included on this list. Georgia Tech, who, not a bad football team. I gave them the win against Wake <laughs> in that scenario. At South Carolina to end the season. I mean, if they play like this, Nick, they might legitimately miss a bowl game. Is it going to happen? Probably not. But if they don't wake up... It is not out of the realm of the possibility at all. I mean... They gotta wake up. Yeah, the, I, I was just absolutely shocked keeping up with this game and then seeing the halftime score. And then I saw a horrible, horrible highlight of Kate Klubnik throwing that pick six. I mean, oh my god, that was so bad. Um, I don't know what you do. Do we want to talk about that for a minute? The yeah, quarterback problem at Clemson because DJ was not I, a problem. I know Oregon State hasn't played anybody that makes me go, oh, DJ Uyunglele, you know, has become just 10 times better than what he was at Clemson. But he's balling out right now in the two games for the Beavers. Yeah. Hey, Klubnik, one of the futures of this program. This has kind of gone to shit. Mm-hmm. And, like, Tony Elliott was able to keep things going after Jeff Scott. Jeff Scott obviously did a pretty good job off of, uh, why am I drawing a blank on his name now? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. What is his name? He's, at, uh, he's not at SMU. Is he? I don't know. Anyways, I'm drawing a blank on who it was before him. But, like, this program... From a, especially from a quarterback standpoint, has regressed drastically. Yeah. And that's not good. Because this is a program that, like... And again, their receivers are not what they used to be. Their defensive line is not what it used to be. Like, I'm okay if Clemson's not every year the Georgias and Alabamas. Because we're seeing it with Alabama, too. Like, it's hard to sustain it for super long periods of time. And they did it for, what, six or seven years where they were 
one of the top four teams, no doubt, every single year. But this is falling off a cliff. You don't see Alabama fall off a cliff. You don't see Ohio State fall off a cliff. You've only seen Michigan kind of fall off a cliff when, like, they were having some real major problems with their, like, coaching scandals and stuff, or Brady Hoke, or, you know, what happens. But, I mean, this is, dude, this is bad. Like, and my power rankings, Nick, I'm not going to drop them that far because they're talented and they blew. They, at the end of the day, the score says they did what they were supposed to do. But they definitely fell. Yeah. <laughs> and if they struggle with FAU and the teams in front of them slash behind them move up even more, like, I think I have Wake behind them just a little bit. If Wake goes to Old Dominion and takes care of business, covers that 14-and-a-half-point spread, and Clemson messes around with FAU, even if it's for a half. Hello, Wake. You've jumped Clemson in my power rankings. Like, this is a problem. And I'm not even a Clemson fan. And I'm, I, Nick, I've always been on this pod trying to defend Clemson. Last week I was on it saying that Clemson's not dead. But, man, they are on life support right now with their dreams and aspirations of not falling off of being a college football contender every year or a college football playoff contender every year. Because right now, they're not even in my top four teams to make Charlotte. And an HC conference, which, again, I've talked about, I think might be the worst Power 5 conference. It's not good. It's not good. And – you know, I keep looking at the score. Final score is 66-17. You're right. They did what they were supposed to do, but man, dude, I, I this team won't go 6 and 6. But I mean, you mess around, you're right. Like it's not out of the realm of possibilities. And I don't know what Dabo needs to do. I don't know what this coaching staff needs to do. I mean, everyone's fairly new there and you know, but but they should have figured it out by now. I don't know. I, I don't know how Clemson fans feel. I mean, all year last year, we kept hearing, give us Cade, give us Cade, give us Cade. And they wanted DJ out. And now it's like, now what do you have to complain about? Like, where are you going to point the finger to next? I think you got to start pointing it at Dabo. Like, hey, why aren't you getting this done? Like, wh- wh- what's going on? Why are we – nothing's changed. Like, Nothing has really changed. And maybe that's the problem is that nothing has changed at Clemson when the rest of college football has changed. The transfer portal, the NIL, it's all changed. And Dabo hasn't really progressed in that yet. So I, I, I don't know. Uh, but that quarterback room needs to figure it out because – Micah, there are a lo- there are a few quarterbacks better than Cade Klubnik right now. I could probably name five right off the top of my head. So it, it, one it's of them, not good. One of them eats at Dioli's fairly often. Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, one more team I want to mention that falls into this taking care of business category, but it needs a little extra attention. Syracuse is good. Syracuse is dangerous. Like, and I understand last year, I think. Yeah, I understand Colgate and Western Michigan aren't the most, you know, <laughs> ferocious opponents you're going to play. 
but they are just taking care of business. Like I talked about it with Notre Dame, like after their first two weeks, like you're just like, wow, something's different. Like they are just rolling. Like shout out to Coach Beck over there, now the OC, former quarterbacks coach at UVA and at Syracuse when I was there. They have not missed a beat. Garrett Trader is a dog. Another quarterback better than Kate Klubnick right now. Yeah. Like, Western Michigan might be one of the worst MAC teams. They really might. I don't even care. This is, We're talking about Syracuse. So again, like I was, when I was doing the Virginia rant, I don't care about Virginia being 10-2 and two every season. Heck, even 8-4. and four. I just want to be going to bowl games on a regular basis again. Like, Syracuse kind of falls under that same category. Their fan base just wants to be good. They want to be in every game. They want to be competitive. They want to have something to be excited about. And this is something to be excited about. So we can break down the numbers, but, I mean, Garrett Schrader is absolutely balling. You know, I regret not taking them in the draft. I really do. I, I was high on them, but I, 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 I talked myself out of it. But, I mean, Garrett Schrader, 286 yards on 19 completions, 30 attempts, one touchdown. I mean, from start to finish, like, that's the best part is, like, Western Michigan scored in two plays, like, they give up, they get no yards on the first play, and they have a 75-yard touchdown run. Like, it's 7 nothing. it's like, okay. <laughs> so what does Syracuse do? Oh, 17 unanswered the rest of the quarter. Another, oh, I don't know, 28 points in the second quarter. Like, it's 45-7 to at the half. Yeah. Talk about a response. Like, Nick, I would like to officially tell all of our listeners that one thing that we've gotten right in our time, because we've both been on this scale, and I want to treat my own, toot my own horn because I've been even more of a supporter and I've talked you off the ledge, Dino Babers is not a bad coach. Dino Babers should not even be on the hot seat. He's not. It's Syracuse. It's Syracuse. Going 4-8 and eight every three to four years is kind of going to be expected, especially in the modern era of college football. No disrespect to Syracuse, but, like, it's upstate New York. It's a dome stadium that, I mean, I think can get pretty electric, but it's not like people are talking about Syracuse as a top, you know, top 25 place to play. I mean, this is a good football team, and Dino Babers is a good coach. I mean, Syracuse, Nick, I genuinely think that there's a legitimate chance that Syracuse is undefeated at the end of this month, and that includes wins at Purdue, Army, and Clemson in that case scenario, heading to North Carolina and Florida State in back-to-back weeks. Like, what's going to kill Syracuse this year, Nick, is the schedule is just brutal. Like, they go at Purdue next week, Army at home, Clemson at home, at Carolina, at Florida State, a bye week, and then a Thursday night in Blacksburg, so that's never a, a good time to go to Blacksburg, regardless of what your thoughts on Virginia Tech is. But then BC at home, Pitt at home, at Georgia Tech, Wake at home. Like, those are all, in my opinion, winnable games, obviously. But they have a stretch of five games, or just, or excuse me, of four games and five and six that you don't really want to play when you're a program like Syracuse. So... But I'm super impressed. Is there anything else you want to add on them? Because we got a lot of games still to talk, and we've been recording for almost an hour, so we gotta <laughs> we gotta speed it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I, I put out a tweet yesterday saying that this team is dangerous. I got a couple replies like they're just going to do the same thing like last year. They had the easy start off and then they just fell. I don't know if I see it this year. I think the, the, the offense just looks even more explosive than it did last year to start off the season. So I think the Syracuse team is a bit better and a bit different than what we saw last year for sure. Yeah. All right. We move on. Let's do it. Boston College 31, Holy Cross 28. Castellanos is the guy. BC is not good. If BC was coming to Charlottesville this year, Nick, I would honestly be taking the Hoos. But it is in Chestnut Hill, so I think I still lean BC. But if there's a coach that should be on the hot seat that I never thought was even in discussion, it might be Halfley. I still think he needs some time. Steve Adasio always leaves a message at his former program. Look at Colorado State right now. Like he leaves an absolute disaster. It's just a kind of a trend with him. But with that being said, like again, Holy Cross is a very good FCS team. We talked about, you know, I, I spread the gospel to you last week, Nick, and I told you this team always gets up for their FBS opponents because they're regional ones every single time. This is an FCS playoff caliber team. They're probably going to be there again this year. And they're only getting better right now. But, I mean, this was one of those things where it's 21, 21 to 7, right? With a minute left, in, or a minute and a half left in the half. BC then shoots themselves in the foot and allows Holy Cross to go down the field in, 50, in four plays in 50 yards in 37 seconds to make it a 21-14 game. Granted, BC then gets in field goal range to make it 24-14. And they never let... Holy Cross have the lead. But BC scored off of a short drive and went 39 yards in the fourth quarter to make it 31. Pretty much all of BC's drives after the first, like, first, like, after they made 21-7 are all short. I mean, Nick, did you know that they gave up a technically listed 100-yard drive on the, on the first scoring uh, possession for Holy Cross in the first half, or second quarter? Like, this defense, like, for Jeff Halfley being a defensive-minded guy, this defense has been pretty bad, right? I'm not mixing this up, right? Jeff Halfley was a D.C., right? He wasn't an O.C., was he? Or maybe he was, and I'm just mixing it up. I think he actually was a O.C. now. I think I just botched all of that. Nick, do you remember by chance? I do not. I can... No, he was D.C. Okay, he was co-D.C. I was like, I thought he was a D.C., but all of a sudden my brain started to freak out because I'm like, well, Odazio was always a big, like, Dudes, do you like, you know, hard-nosed guys? It's like, maybe it's not. But anyways, he, I was right. Thank goodness. That sounds really pathetic. But, I mean, they're not a bowl team right now. They may not be at all this season. Yeah. And they're, they're honestly being a very big disappointment. Cause I, not that I expected them to be world beaters, but I thought they'd be taking a huge step forward, and right now there is nothing. And, Nick, I'm sure you didn't know this, but did you see what happened to NIU this weekend? Oh, no, I, I tweeted about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. Yeah. That's really, really like, bad. The Southern Illinois Salukis took down the Northern Illinois Huskies. Yeah. FCS, Southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. Nice little stadium, by the way. Just fun fact. But, you know, just, yeah. Yeah. So, like, 
I, I honestly, Nick, I, I didn't move them because I'm still so mad at Virginia, and I'm I'm still thinking that BC is going to beat Virginia in a couple weeks. But I understand why if you don't, and you're, I didn't actually look at your power wings. I know you texted them to me, but again, I was asleep and I just never actually clicked on the image. But I'm guessing you saw BC behind Virginia. No, I put BC ahead of Virginia this week. Wow, I'm actually kind of surprised. I actually want you to talk to me through that real quick because I, yes. Virginia was competitive. Like both teams played a similar game. The difference was one played a much better team. So that's why I'm surprised because like I was going to say I could I, again if it weren't for my bias and my fandom and just kind of seeing the writing on the wall in a couple weeks. I do think if you're truly power rating right now, which is what I should be doing, Virginia is better than BC right now. The quarterback is better. The receivers are better. The yeah. defense is better. Like, because I know Virginia is 0-2 and, and BC is 1-1. One and one. But NIU and Holy Cross is a hell of a lot easier than James Madison and Tennessee. Yeah, you make a lot of fair points. Uh, so, like, I'm actually surprised you'd go back on that because, like, nothing BC did justified them moving up. I just didn't move Virginia because I don't know if they did enough to jump BC, in my opinion. But, like, since you had them the other way, I'm very shocked that you think that BC winning this game justifies them enough moving up. Because, I, I mean, yeah, sure, they did what we expected them to do, but it is Holy Cross. So <laughs> Yeah, uh, you make a lot of fair points. I think the thing is, is that I – had bigger expectations for Boston College and the fact that it's gone downhill this quickly is why I kind of the, the, the win I'm not really making much sense here but I had expectations I'm say you're, you're talking yourself into why they should be the last I'm talking team. myself back into putting them back at 13 <laughs> 14. Right, back down 14. to 14 that's what I'm doing I'm talking myself back getting back down to 14 um you know what? You make a lot of good points, and maybe let's not make this list official yet, because <laughs> I, because <laughs> I, I know, yeah, they did just, you know, bot, when you look at the records, Boston College is one and one, Virginia is zero and two, and I truly believe that if these two teams were to play each other, I think it's a coin flip, um, but you, you might have convinced me. I think I was just more disappointed in Virginia not getting this win. And I think thinking about how good Holy Cross is in the FCS, that this game could be close. Um, but let's let's not make this list official yet, Micah. I might need to tweak some things. No, and that's fair because like this will be my perfect segue in a Purdue Virginia Tech. Like if Virginia does win that game, let's say they hold on to win thirty-five to thirty, right, Nick? Yeah. I think Virginia has an argument to be above Virginia Tech in the power rankings. They have an argument to be above BC in the power rankings. They have the argument to be above, honestly, Georgia Tech in the power rankings. Mm. Like, JMU is a good enough football team to where that type of win justifies jumping some teams. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say it right now. I mean, we saw it last year. I think JMU is better than Louisville. Or at the bare minimum, equal. So... You could make an argument that Virginia, I wouldn't put Virginia over Georgia Tech if they had won, but they definitely would have been over BC. And they yeah. probably would have been over Virginia Tech because I think JMU is a lot better than Old Dominion. 
And I sure, sure think that Tennessee is a better opponent than Purdue. And I know the Purdue game was close. But I think Tennessee would pump Purdue, too. This is a Purdue team that did just lose to Fresno State, who, by the way, lost yesterday. <laughs> so, right, I think they lost yesterday, right? Let me double check that. But regardless, like, Virginia Tech, man, watching that condensed game made me so mad. Because Grant Wells stinks. Like, he really is not good. Mm-hmm. He's missing wide open receivers. Like, the amount of <laughs> memes on Twitter from Virginia Tech fans. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen the video. This had me dying. Where, like, the guy's proposing on the edge of the boat and his friend's supposed to toss him the ring. And he tosses it to him, like, 100 yards over his head and goes into the ocean. Yeah. And, like, the friends are all diving in to save it. Like, <laughs> that is, like, Grant Wells right now. He could have somebody wide open in a seven-on-seven, in a one-on-one-v-one game, and he'd find a way to miss him. Like, it is actually concerning. And they're not a bad, you know, rushing team by any means. But, I mean, like, people can go, okay, Grant Wallace threw for 243 yards. That's, you know, wasn't bad. But he was under 50% completion rating, two touchdowns, two interceptions, the leading rusher is Malachi Thomas with six attempts for 18 yards. The leading receiver is Jalen Lane, who's pretty good. One touchdown, but only 54 yards receiving. You look at the box score. Purdue almost doubled up Virginia Tech in time of possession. They had more first downs. They were a lot like Virginia Tech was 2 of 11 on third down. That's a problem. It's a real, real problem. Like, Virginia Tech could not get Purdue off the field. Purdue's offense is not very good. They're not. Hudson College is a good quarterback, but it's not like Purdue's... This is not the Purdue offense of Jeff Brom era. And Purdue saw that Virginia Tech couldn't get him off the, him off the field, and they just tick, 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 tick. Like, you can't get away with that. You can't. Like... I lied. Fresno State did win yesterday, Nick. Uh, they just needed double overtime to beat FCS Eastern Washington. So, my fault for accidentally giving Fresno State a loss. But, again, not a quality win either. Yeah. But, um, I mean, you look at the rest of their schedule. Like, Nick, when we do our picks, this could change. Again, we're not. This is not a, a flick, flick. I'm going in, putting it in a permanent ink right now. I'm picking Rutgers to beat Virginia Tech this weekend. I'm picking Marshall to beat Virginia Tech in two weeks. They're going on the road to two places that, I mean, Rutgers is not going to be the most hostile. Marshall's going to be pretty, I mean, there's going to be a lot of maroon in both, I'm sure. There's a legitimate chance, Nick, that Virginia Tech returns home one and three, hosting Pitt, which <laughs> we'll get to Pitt in a minute. I still don't think Pitt's worse than Virginia Tech. So, you put, we'll just say three. We'll, we'll be nice. We'll give them the win. We'll call them two and three. They're not beating Florida State right now in Tallahassee. That's two and four. Wake, Syracuse, at Louisville, at BC. I'd say at best they go two and two in that stretch. That's uh, that's four and six with NC State and at Virginia on the schedule. 
team's probably missing a bowl game. Yeah. And after last week, I started to kind of believe in them. I, I am actually shocked. And maybe Purdue beat Syracuse this weekend at home, and Purdue just had a bad first game, and maybe I was all wrong about this game and taking too much into it. But at this very moment, I don't think Purdue's that great of a football team. They probably are going bowling, but they're kind of suspect on that. And Virginia Tech just, it felt like they were getting dominated by Purdue. I'll give them credit for battling back down 17-0. I'll give them a lot of credit there. They, they, it's 17-0 early in the second quarter, and they tie it up at halftime. But in the rest of the game, Purdue couldn't do much, but Virginia Tech could do nothing. So, yeah, not, not a good week for the Hokies for sure. I would argue that the Virginia Tech loss to Purdue... No, it wasn't worse than Virginia's loss to JMU, but <laughs> it wasn't great. Yeah, it's. And I thought they had a lot of momentum in this game. I really thought Grant Wells would turn a corner and really prove himself. I think this was the type of game to do it at, at your home stadium, uh, Big Ten team coming to town. I thought he would rise up to the occasion, and he quite frankly did not. Um, I don't think this is a setback by any means on the future of the program for Virginia Tech. I think there's still a lot of opportunity ahead. Um, again, they're rebuilding something there, and it, I'll give them this. It, it, it was close. I know Purdue's nothing special to ram about this year, but you know Virginia Tech isn't either. I mean, some people pick them second to last um, in this conference, so I, I think they'll do better than that. Um, I think don't freak out if you're a Virginia Tech fan just yet. I think there's still opportunity in this season, but it is a little disappointing that they came up short in this game. So we'll see. I think there's still a kind of a big question mark, in my opinion, moving forward on whether they can be um, on whether they can turn the corner or not. So we'll see. I think they can. They've shown a lot of signs they can, but Grant Wells, man. I think that's really what's kind of holding them back at the moment. I mean, we had a full season of him last year. You would think that it would be a better stretch uh, this year. And so far, it really hasn't. It's just been about the same. So I I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, we will see. All right. Let's move on. Let's just continue the uh, disappointing train. I know this is a very sporadic podcast, but I think it's flowing well, Nick, so we'll just stick with it. Cincinnati beats Pitt 27-21. to I do think, man, I do think that Cincinnati is better than you, I, and a lot of people thought they were going to be this year. Like, I really do. I do think this program, like, I don't know. I mean, I know Luke Fickle was the, the lifeblood of this program. And... This is going to hurt Louisville fans. Scott Satterfield wasn't a terrible coach. He's not a great coach. And he wasn't the greatest. Like, he, he could hurt himself in recruiting. But, like, he does a good job with the portal. And it's not like the entire Cincinnati roster left. So, I think that that program is not as bad as everyone's kind of, you know, 
making them I, I like I almost had them missing a bowl game. Some people had them missing a bowl game. There were talks on podcast Nick about Cincinnati because again the Big Twelve in my opinion is one of the best from top to bottom, if not the best. But there were talks about them being the worst team in the entire conference this year. Yeah, I don't see that. And I don't see that. So that that should be a, a nice thing for Pitt, but all three of us on our podcast with Big Game Boomer were all so excited about Pitt. You so more than me, Big Game Boomer even more than both of us. But we all thought that Pitt was a dark horse for the ACC. You play like this, you're not. Yeah. I was not impressed at all with Phil Dracovic. The defense, this looks like one of the, not worst defenses the Pitt's had in a while, but actually, yeah, no, it looks like one of the worst. That's not an insult, per se, because Pitt's always just had very good defenses, but I don't think that Pitt's defense is going to win them football games this year. And that puts some stuff on Phil Dracovic, because, like, Phil Dracovic was 10 of 32, Nick. Yeah. No interceptions. He was sacked five times. That's not great. Their, their combined total yards of rushing was 83 yards. Like, I don't know if Pitt's offensive line is just not what it used to be. But there's someone I'm really kind of keeping an eye on because not that they looked bad against Wofford, but, like, they looked pretty it against Wofford. And Wofford played a similar game with William and Mary this weekend. Shout out to SoCon schools to what they did with Pitt. Pitt, you don't want to be compared to William and Mary right now. <laughs> so I, I'm not writing Pitt off. I think in my power rankings, Nick, I have to look at my notes. I don't remember the exact number I had. I had them. I had a still had them at 10, right? Then they weren't there yet, but like they're still in the top 10, but, I mean, I think that Syracuse has been better than them. State has still looked a little bit better than them. Clemson has looked a little bit better than them. Louisville looks better than them. Wake looked a lot better than them. Duke a lot better than them. North Carolina better than them. Miami, like, you know, you look at their schedule, and, like, it's not the world's most difficult schedule. But, like, right now, Nick, I think I'm leaning West Virginia this weekend in the backyard brawl. And that was never even a thought in my mind until after yesterday. So I hope I'm wrong. I hope Pitt's just going to right the ship and this was just a bad week, a good Cincinnati team, but definitely some red flags for me right now. Yeah, especially for me, considering I I was very high on them. Uh, I thought that if not Clemson or Florida State in Charlotte, I thought it could be Pitt, but the last two weeks have not shown. Now, I agree with you. I never really said it out loud to you, Micah, because I never quite understood why people were ranking Cincinnati so low in the Big 12. And, you know, m- m- maybe it was because no one liked the Satterfield hire and w- whatever. I-, I really don't know. I think Cincinnati is one of the most sound programs in the country. I mean, hell, they're two years removed from a playoff. I mean, come on, yeah. what are we talking about? I mean, they're not that far away from it. Now we're talking about them being bottom of a power five. I I don't think so. I think they'll have a pretty good year, to be honest. But this was this was really bad for Pitt. I mean, I I I watched a little bit of this game and I did catch some of this uh, some of it on the 
you know, CW network. Um, Micah, if you didn't notice, uh, scoreboard looks like the ESPN scoreboard and it's the same Raycom announcers. So there you go. <laughs> that That's what I took away from the broadcast and the CW network. Um, but it, it's kind of disappointing. Now you, you got West Virginia next week. And if you lose that, that we're, that's very, very concerning, very concerning because West Virginia is not far away from firing their head coach. They're doing everything they can to get him out of town. They just can't afford to. So if you yeah. lose your, to your rival, that's in a dumpster fire right now, then I, I don't know what to make of this Pittsburgh team because so far it hasn't been good. I think Narduzzi, Narduzzi is a better coach than this, and I think Phil is a better quarterback than this. So I hope it was just a sleeper of a game. I don't know if they were looking ahead because it's West Virginia next week. I don't know. And they maybe heard the rumors of Cincinnati not being good. Um, but it's, it's definitely a red flag for me too for Pittsburgh. I, I don't know really what to make of it, but they, they better come out uh, shooting, shooting uh, against West Virginia because it's, it's not looking good. Yeah. All right. One more, not negative, but not super positive thing. We've got two games left. North Carolina 40, App State 34, double overtime. Greg May got outplayed. I might need to uh, change my power rankings on that too. I don't know yet. I have to, I, I, I got to redo some things. Don't make that list official. But yeah, Nick, you can tweet it out because my my rankings aren't changing. So whenever yours is done, you can tweet yours out. But you got it. But North Carolina, we said it, Nick. Kudos yeah, to us. We, we said we weren't going to buy in until they did what they were supposed to do, and they won. They did win. And the, again, this is Ab State Super Bowl. It is. Like, this game, like, similar to, like, JMU beating Virginia. That was, like, literally what JMU did to Virginia on Saturday is the best thing that JMU could probably have happened this season because they can't go to a bowl game. So this was their game. This was that game that meant the most to them. App State obviously still has some things to play for from a Sunbelt standpoint and bowl game standpoint. But this was their Super Bowl, especially to their fans. So North Carolina knew they were going to get their best. I'm trying to chalk it up as they kind of, they kind of slept walk, right? Because, you know, they were back and forth and back and forth. And App State's too good of a football team to, to really pummel, like to put up 35 on in, in a quarter or even in a half. So like, so then run away with it after a competitive first half is going to be very tough. But we're talking about a program that has once again just played around with their food. Again, I genuinely believe that the best quarterback on Saturday on that field was Aguilar from App State and not Drake May. Yeah. And this is supposed to be a Heisman winning quarterback. This is giving me a lot of Sam Howell vibes, Nick. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm wrong. They're 2-0. and They deserve to be ranked. They do especially with how college ball is looking right now. And I do think they're still going to beat Minnesota this week. That's my only hope, Nick. That, that's, that is what I'm trying to convince myself, is that North Carolina saw App State and said, okay, of our first, even four games, really, but first three games, 
South Carolina, Minnesota, App. App is by far the worst of those three teams. Those are all very competitive football teams. But I would take Minnesota to beat App State. I would take South Carolina to beat App State. So, I'm trying to convince myself that they were just like, let's just beat them with pure skill. And then obviously, you know, I think App State was better than what they showed against Gardner-Webb last week. But, again, man, right now, to me, we'll get to Miami here in a second. Florida State and Miami feels a lot more like the potential rematch in Charlotte than Florida State, North Carolina does. So, we'll see. I'm not writing them off yet. Because I honestly don't know how I feel about Texas A&M either when we get to Miami in a minute. But, hey, at least they won. So, I really don't have a lot to say. Because I just, they disappointed me. But at the end of the day, a win's a win. If they run the table, they're in the playoff. It doesn't matter how close this game was. Heck, if they're probably 12-1, and one, they're probably in the playoffs. So, it is what it is. But what's your thoughts? Basically the same as yours. We, we both said it. We needed, we needed to see North Carolina make a, take a turn here um, and actually, you know, beat App State. Like, you know, by two scores. We, we even said, North Carolina, you don't even have to cover. You just got to – because what was the spread? Was it 19 and a half? Um, great question. Uh, 18 at the end of the close, but it probably was 19 and a half when we recorded. Yeah, I remember saying, you, even if you don't cover, if you win by two scores or two touchdowns, I think that's very impressive. I think that's turning the corner, but it, it, it wasn't. It, it was just like last year. It came down to overtime again with App State, and I get it. App State... I don't even have to explain it. They're they're the giant killer. They get they're the F or the group of five team that gets up for these games and tries to beat you. They do it with AM, Carolina, South Carolina. Uh there are tons of games. Penn State, tons of games where App State tries to do this to you. And it's not a surprise, but I put this out, Mike, and I said, you know, I get it. It's a big win, but I'm kind of afraid that North Carolina kind of looks like they did last year. And by yeah, that, and I mean, they could get off to a really great start, be nine and one or eight and one. And they're in the top 15 creeping up in the top 10. And then once that schedule gets harder with finishing up with Clemson and NC state on the road, it, it, it could fall apart. And I think one of the differences is from last year to this year in a negative way, is that Drake hasn't really looked all that special. Now, he? I will say I watched most of this game, and he had a pretty good fourth quarter where he was driving the ball down the field and had a good overtime. But, look, South Carolina is nothing to rave about, okay? They struggled yesterday again. So they're nothing to rave about this year. And Drake has not looked up to par like we thought he would. Um, that's kind of not good going forward now minnesota is going to be a good team um i think carolina's defense will be okay against a very slow minnesota offense but we'll see it 
they need to really turn a corner fast or else it's going to be overhyped again. Um, and Drake may is not having a bad season, but again, it's like he started off really hot last year. And that's why people were really buying into that North Carolina team this year. He's not off to the greatest of starts. So no. And like, when we, when we, when we preach, preach our frustration in North Carolina, it's not because we think we're a bad, they're a bad football team. Like they're still in my top three. In the power rankings. Right, yeah. The problem is, is we were told, especially after last week when they beat South Carolina, oh, this team is different. This team's a playoff dark horse. They're not right now. They're not. They're not. Could they be? Absolutely. But are they right now? No. I so, mean, still not counting them out of Charlotte, if that's what people no. are thinking. Absolutely not. No. No. We're holding them to a higher standard of this team supposed to be. Like you said, you nailed it, Nick. This team is giving off the same look and vibes as last season. And we were all hoping, or maybe you weren't because you're an NC State fan, but we were all expecting, and I was hoping, to see them take a step, a step forward. Right now, they look the same. So, we'll see. But I'm not sitting here like, oh, yeah, this team is dominant. Okay. Last game. Nick, I just want to say I told you so. You did. You the, did. U, the U is back. I'm <laughs> sure they're going to... I'm sure they're going to drop one here. Uh, I wouldn't, it w- wouldn't it be hilarious if they lose a Temple? But they won't, hopefully. <laughs> but North Carolina in a couple weeks, that's not... <laughs> yeah, but... I mean, dude, they're just better than Texas A&M. Like, Van Dyke looks like Tyler Van Dyke. Nick, did you yeah. know that Tyler Van Dyke sent a Miami program record for most passing touchdowns in a single game against a top 25 team? Think about how many great Miami players that have come through. That's how special yesterday was. Five touchdowns, 374 yards. You know, Parrish, they used him well. He wasn't anything special, but he was averaging five yards a carry. That's what Miami needs. Someone that can get them ahead of the sticks. They can pick him up a, a first down on third and short. That's what Parrish was yesterday. Jacoby George was balling yesterday with 11 receptions, three of them for touchdowns. Like, I'm sorry, five receptions, not 11. Five receptions. Like, I think Van Dyke's found his guy. Try to get some touchdowns, especially in deep. I mean, I think what was most impressive was Miami's defense still doesn't look like world beaters. But they made this, like, Texas A&M's offense looks a lot better than they have in a long time. Like, I really do think the Petrino hire for Jimbo Fisher has been a good one. Because Miami just created havoc on Connor Wegman. He had two interceptions, but he played well. Like, Wegman wasn't terrible. Miami just, from start to finish, man, like, it was impressive because A&M jumps out to a 10 nothing league, and I'm getting these on my phone. This is the peak of our, like, are we starting on time or not delay kind of thing? And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I, I believed in Miami, and who's the dumbass now? And then Tyler Van Dyke leads him down the field, a 75-yard drive. It's beautiful. A turnover leads to Texas A&M having a nine-yard scoring drive. And I'm like, huh. when I saw that on my phone, I went, well, <laughs> yeah, I was wrong. And I'm willing to admit that I just I gave up. It's 17-7, and I'm like, 
yeah, that momentum is all riding Texas A&M. But Texas A&M fans traveled well to Miami. That was cool to see, but obviously stinks for us ACC fans. Oh, you know, nonchalantly, let's just go on two straight 75-plus yard scoring drives and combine 11 plays. <laughs> yeah. To take the lead at the half. And, like, again, I, at this point, I'm not following the game, Nick. I, I, after I saw 17-7, the next time I saw the score was when it was 41-26 to in the fourth quarter when Borales hit that field goal, or Bor- Bor- Borgales, whatever it is, hit that field goal, the 50-yard nuke. But they, they made Texas A&M pay for their turnovers. They, like, because they, they scored 10 points off the turnovers. Obviously, the kick return for a touchdown was huge. I mean, on all three sides of the ball, special teams, offense, defense, Miami was the better team. It's been a long time since we've seen that. I guess, especially against, like, regardless of your thoughts on Texas A&M being overrated, they're a talented football team. (laughs) Like, they still have some of the best, like, they have literally... Pretty much everybody from that top recruiting class still there. They're young, but Tyler Van Dyke outperformed a good quarterback. Maybe even a great one, depending on who you want to talk to. This was huge for Miami. This was huge for the ACC. Nick, we'll see if Miami can continue it, because obviously we're all... Like, I'm looking at Miami and North Carolina like, yeah, that's probably a North Carolina win. Not because I think North Carolina is better than Miami. Just purely our history on Miami. It's only been two games, Nick, but it does feel different. Because they stepped up in the big game, and they dominated from start to finish in the Miami game. And the Miami of Ohio team, which, again, I'm not going to put too much behind this, Nick. But did you see Miami of Ohio pretty much from start to finish control and dominate UMass this weekend? Yeah. Not that you probably would have, but again, I'm a psycho for Mac games, so I watched a bunch of Mac condensed game highlights too. Yeah, and you see the score, yeah. Like, from start to finish, man, Miami was in control. And I know UMass isn't a world beater, but we all know that UMass is not, like, as bad as they have been in years past. <laughs> So just to see Miami take care of business the way they did and looking back and seeing how Miami performed the following week, and by Miami, I mean the Red Hawks of Miami of Ohio, like, this feels different. We'll see. It's Bethune-Cookman and at Temple the next two weeks. If they dominate both those games, Nick, man, that game going to Chapel Hill is going to be nuts. Yeah, buddy. Oh, <laughs> like, I think they have Pitt before that, if I'm not mistaken, actually, at home. No, Georgia Tech. Sorry. not not. They have a bye week and then Georgia Tech. So, like, there's, I mean, again, barring just a collapse from this team, they're undefeated at the end of this month. They'll get a bye week to prepare for Georgia Tech, which I think is important. Because <laughs> yeah. that would be the perfect trap, trap spot, but at least they'll have two weeks to focus on them. Hopefully, unless Mario just goes all in for North Carolina, which if he does then, crap. But... Is Miami going to win the ACC? I don't think so. Do I have them playing in Charlotte at this moment, Nick? I actually don't. But they're actually a legitimate contender, and we were not sure how we felt about them until just now. So we'll see if they're actually different. I'm, they are definitely the ex-girlfriend that I have been broken by too many times and 
really will not let back in my life unless it's really, really clear that they've changed. But they're definitely starting to flirt with me again, and I'm flirting back. So, what do you have on this, Nick? Because, again, I called this, but I also called, if you remember correctly, I said they're still going to be a 9-3 and three team. Yeah. So, I called... I called this, but I also, again, my feelings for them for the long term of the season, like, I don't think I'll, like, I joke, the U is back. But I'm not, like, kind of like with Texas. I know it's not a Big 12 pod, or SEC pod, I guess, depending on how you want to look at it. But I'm not writing that Texas is back either. <laughs> and I would argue that Texas has a little bit more, you know, substance to them to actually be back. But this was a huge step in the right direction, and man, there is nothing more I want, Nick, than undefeated Miami and undefeated Florida State. A top five, top eight, but probably top five, honestly, with what Miami has to play to get to this point on November 11th in Tallahassee. You know how sex, like, Florida State and Clemson to me has become kind of boring. What if Florida State and Clemson lost luster? So Florida State and Miami could be the sexiest ACC game we've seen in years. Because I'm all for it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, they proved me wrong. Uh, I'm still – I jokingly tweet out, is Miami back? Or, like, who's back, Miami or Texas? Uh, or, like, who's more back? But nonetheless, it's very impressive. And this is what this program needed. This is the type of win that you needed to be – respected again to have the hype back to be back into the top 25 and to be in the conversation for charlotte because right now the conversation for charlotte they're i mean before the season i had Pitt and nc state ahead of miami now i don't so much right now not especially Pitt. i do not um and i think it's a coin flip between them and carolina in terms of who's going to make it to charlotte um and I think it's a coin flip with them and Clemson. So are they back? Not all the way, but this was the win that they needed. Tyler Van Dyke looked like the Tyler Van Dyke from 2021 uh, as a backup QB who came in and just was a gunslinger and gave Miami a lot of hope at the end of the season in 2021. I don't know what happened in 2022. Um, maybe it was just, you know, the whole change of coaches and pro whatever, but this is what they needed. It looks good for them. And like you said, it looks good for the ACC. I, I haven't been this excited for a Florida state Miami matchup in a long, long time. And I'm ready for it. And I'm ready for a potential rematch in Charlotte. Like, thank God we got rid of divisions because I mean, I guess this necessarily doesn't affect divisions, if they were still in it, but still, I mean, I'm I th- think about a Florida state Miami game in Charlotte for the ACC. Like this is, this is the type of matchup we've been waiting for in Charlotte, not saying that it's going to happen, but it's nice to think about for once, right? Like Florida state and Miami, or, you know, w- what if Georgia tech is back and Georgia tech is back in Charlotte, like a, Big time program being back, like that's huge. Um, big win for Miami. I'm not buying all the way, but again, like you said, I'm starting to flirt with my ex again, and 
it could lead me to utter heartbreak, but I like, I kind of like where this is going. And yeah, you're right. I hope it looks like they could be four and zero by the end of the month. Nick, I messed up and I'm getting canceled. Why? I skipped over Wake Forest Vanderbilt. Yeah, I was waiting. I was waiting to get you on that. Damn it. I was so waiting to get you and you. Uh. I was looking at next week's game and I went, Wake Forest, hold Dominion. Wait a minute. I haven't talked about, and I think this is a perfect way to end it because, A, the game took so long with the delay that I think it's just funny to be like, oh, yeah, now we're back on. Like literally two hours later. But, dude, Wake Forest is so good. Like, this team is not, like, Big Game Boomer was wrong. He has to eat his words. Is Wake Forest going to win the national championship? No. Are they going to make the playoffs? Probably not. Are they even going to be a team that plays in Charlotte? I don't know. Probably not. But this team is not a missing a bowl team. A.J. Swan is a dog for Vandy. This Vandy team is one hell of a football team. They are scrappy. They are well coached. They have a chip on their shoulder. They want to play ball the best way they can. I think they can win three SEC wins. I can name them. I agree. I agree with you. And Wake Forest. Missouri, South Carolina, and Florida. I think they can beat Kentucky at home. I think they can beat Auburn at home. Yeah, yeah. I thought about them. Yeah, they could do it. Wake Forest. Like, Nick, that rain delay sucked. Like, they had – like, I'm not going to lie. I got scared because, obviously, that was the one game I was most excited for because, like, my day really doesn't pick up till about – 12 31 o'clock so i was like perfect i can watch probably the whole first half on you know under undisturbed and obviously four plays in boom or five plays whatever it was you know lighting delay and they come out i know it's third down and goal first play is a dud they kick a field goal and i'm just like shit vandy's gonna win this game because the momentum that Wake had picked up, I was like, oh, shit. This team's like, like, Vandy's going to be in for a, a world of, of hurt. Tate Carney, shout out that kid. I don't know if he comes to Dioli's, Nick, oh, but if he, so. he does. My man, Tate, he does come into Dioli's. Well, I can see it because my man is a human hit stick. He I runs mean, he, so he, hard. He gets it from his brother, Cade, man. When Cade oh, yeah. Started. I mean, hot take, man. I know it's early. But Tate is looking like Cade already, and it's early. <laughs> Tate might end up being better than Cade, and Cade was one hell of a back. I mean, yeah. dude, this receiving core at Wake is just like, I know Taylor mentioned it on the pod, and this is not a shot at Taylor. Taylor right now has been like the number three receiver. And he is literally better than most receivers in the ACC. This receiving core is so balanced. Like, Nick, I'm going to say this, and this is going to break your heart. If this core at Wake Forest is at NC State, I think you're 2-0 right now and looking at a dark horse for a playoff. Yeah. Like, this is this the best receiving core in the ACC? And they don't even have Donovan yet. I know. Like, I'm not trying to overreact too much, but, like, Mitch has looked good. I think he's still got a whole other level of game to him. The receivers are getting open. They're creating separation. 
you know, obviously they're getting a well-balanced attack with the rushing game. Like, because Claiborne, right? I don't, I don't want to be saying his name wrong, right? It's Claiborne, the back, yeah. Yeah. the lead back. Yeah, the, the, let me make sure. Yeah, Demond, I, I can help him saying that right. But, like, he was phenomenal yesterday. I mean, he had 27 touches. Like, Wake Forest is, dude, this is exactly the team that we saw that beat Texas A&M in the Belk Bowl. Run, run, run. Big pass play. Yeah. Like, Mitch was 17 of 26 for 200-plus yards, right? 200? No, sorry, 196. Just short. Regardless. <laughs> I mean, they're just so balanced. And they're ha- they're leaning the run. But, the pa- like, the receivers just get... And, like, the only argument I'll hear about them not being the best receiving core is, like, obviously, like, they've been so run-heavy. Like, it's not like the receive Like, they don't have a single receiver, I don't believe, Nick, over 250 yet. I don't think. I might be wrong. Williams, nope. Yeah, because Kishon didn't do that much against VMI, even though he bowled out yesterday. But, like, this team is just, like, like they're going to Old Dominion next week. That's not going to be easy, but I'm pretty sure that's a win. This team, man, could seriously go on a bender. And I think this might be one of Florida State's most difficult games when they come to Winston-Salem at the end of October. These guys look good. And, like, Vandy, again, it's Vanderbilt. Are they the greatest Power 5 team ever? No. But Wake from start to finish was the better football team. There's no doubt in my mind that they were the better football team. And that is something that I was a little bit hesitant about. I'm, 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 dude, I'm all in right now on this Wake team being a, a potential 10-win team if things go their way. <laughs> like, because going to Clemson, man, it's going to be tough, but we talked about it. <laughs> if they don't figure that it starts off early, man. Like, right now, what Duke did to Clemson, you know, in week one with the rushing attack, you cannot tell me that you don't feel good about Claiborne and Carney doing the exact same thing. You can't tell me that you don't think that Mitch Griffiths can do what Riley Leonard did, which is create plays when needed in the passing attack. You can't tell me that this defensive back room can't slow down a struggling receiving core from Clemson. And that these disguised blitzes are not going to confuse Kate Klubnick. Like, or Grant Wells in a couple weeks in Blacksburg. Or Georgia Tech and just their kind of very average offense. I mean, they could be undefeated. It's not going to be easy. I don't think they're going to be. But they could be undefeated when they host Florida State at the end of October. This team, this is the most comfortable I've, like when when Big Game Boomer tried to tell us that Wake wasn't going to be good, Nick, I don't think you and I have ever felt more confident in someone being wrong in our entire life. And it just makes me feel good to know that we're still sitting there and I still feel really good about that opinion. (laughs) Yeah. They, uh, man. I just want to shout out those guys. A lot of them came into the deli this morning and they were, they were truly do remind me of the baseball team because they have really good chemistry. I don't know what it is, but they have the best chemistry 
And they're the nicest guys you just ever want to talk to. Tate, um, George Sell, shout out, shout out him. He's one of the offensive linemen. Um, Taylor, the, all of them. They're Zach, all of them. They're the greatest. Michael Kern, backup quarterback. The legend, Michael Kern. Mike, <laughs> I hope you get to meet this kid. He's Mitch's backup. He's one of the nicest dudes and just a dude you just want to hang out with all the time. Michael Kern's the best. Um, but these guys, man, I, that, that was a great win, especially with the delay. Uh, shout out to the fans that stayed there. I was, I was giving some of the students a lot of shit. Like, hey, like, what's going? Because kids were starting to come in, and I was like, well, are you guys gonna go back? And they were like, no. Why would we go back? Like, we don't really care. It's like, bro, come on. And I just like the NC State side of me came out. I was like, listen, Raleigh has a monsoon right now, and all those kids are tailgating. You guys can't just like stay there for like an hour. Like, it was only an hour delay. So I kind of just like let those Wake students have it that state fans are better than you. But um, man, those those guys, I, this team, I don't know if they're a dark horse, but they're proving people wrong. And I'll just say that they're proving people wrong. Um, I'm excited for them. It's a tough challenge up at Old Dominion, and then they got Georgia Tech, so uh, it's not going to be easy, especially when Georgia Tech looks like they're improving and starting to turn a corner in that program. So we'll see, but Mitch looks good. Claiborne looks good. The defense had a, a, a pretty damn good game the way Swan was slinging at slinging it out there, especially with two interceptions. So um, that's another point for you on the fantasy thing. That's a big win for you, Micah. Um, but yeah, I like wake a lot. They, they look really, really good. And I can't wait to see what else this team does. Cause I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe this isn't like the transition from John Wolford to Sam Hartman. Maybe, maybe this transition is going to be a little bit better. And I, I said it could be a little bit better, but maybe a lot better. Yeah, I mean, dude, I feel good about this team. I'm, I'm excited. I mean, they. Andy's good. They're good. No. Yeah, like. What stinks is, and, and, and it's that's why I think we're the worst power five, is Vandy is still near the bottom of the ACC, where I think Wake's near the top. But I digress. Dude, this is, I mean, as a Virginia fan, this is what I want, is what Wake Forest has. Where six and six is a tough year. You feel good that you're not going to miss a bowl game. Your peak is playing in the ICC championship game and hopefully getting 10 wins. There's no reason why Virginia shouldn't be that. Like, Wake Forest, in my opinion, is the top. Like, if you don't like Wake Forest football, then you just don't like good stories. You really don't. Because it's not like, yes, there is money at Wake Forest. But it's not like they have, you know... 40,000 alum every four years. They have five. Sure, some of them have them, they come from money, or they you know, obviously go on to bigger and better things and create their own wealth. Wake Forest has made all of the right strategic moves. They've invested in things that people have never thought of. They've always stayed above the curve. They 
have given, they've given Dave Clawson what he needs to be successful. Dave Clawson knows that he's not going to get SEC money to hire assistants, to build weight rooms, to pay his, pay his himself. But he knows that if he needs something and he knows that it's going to be successful, he can go to John Curry and say, can I please get this? And Curry's going to find a way to get it done. And the donors are going to find a way to get it done. The pitching lab is the perfect example of baseball. But even at football, man, their facility is one of the top four or five in the conference right now. The facility is beating Virginia Tech, in my opinion. It's beating Virginia, in my opinion. Definitely beating Virginia right now. You know, it's like... They're investing in all the right pieces. You know, to this day, ETSU fans are always so sad because Steve left. Steve Forbes, obviously, on men's basketball. He left because it was the perfect opportunity and spot for him because they're willing to invest in him. And not that ETSU wasn't. But there again, there's just... The resources at Wake, like, that's why I'm so excited for SMU to enter the conference, Nick, because I feel like SMU and Wake are about to be the same thing. They're going to be fun programs that historically don't scream, should be national title contenders or anything like that, but they're going to be eight, six to ten win teams every year. They're going to be competitive. They're going to be fun. They're going to be innovative. They're going to have a system in place that works. So I'm amped, man. I'm amped for Wake. But we've gone two hours. This has been a long podcast. So if you're still listening, thank you. Nick, I'm excited to get together on Tuesday or Wednesday. Probably Wednesday. But one of those two days to go over the games coming up. Obviously, we have another Thursday night game uh, with Miami playing Bethune-Cookman. But this was... uh, it was a disappointing week because obviously we had projected hopefully a huge step forward for the conference, but it wasn't a bad week. So I'm still excited. I'm not excited for Friday night as a Virginia fan, but it's been good, man. I'm excited to, to see what next week brings, and that's all I've got if you want to send us off, Nick. Yeah, man. Um Shout out to all the listeners uh, for sticking with us. Uh, it's been a fun first two weeks so far. Um, yeah, it just means a little bit less. Can't wait to preview next week and go ACC.